What is going on, guys? It's time for another edition of Out of Bounds right here on Know Your News. I, of course, am John Alba, one of your hosts with Moses every single week here on Out of Bounds. Now, normally you're used to my loudmouth co-host, Mia O'Brien, one of my dear friends, dear close personal friends. But instead, this week I got a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Marshall, and she's joining me for the first time here on out of bounds sarah i really appreciate you hopping on sarah how you doing today what's going on where you're coming to us from tell us a little bit about yourself well thank you first of all for inviting me on today and i'm in sunny warm unfortunately arizona i'm dry one of those yeah it's 79 right now okay. yeah but i'm one of those people that i'm like if you were in a place right now that's like 35 degrees i would switch with you in a heartbeat i i oh. want to be freezing so yeah, I mean, enjoying it, I guess, while you can, but jealous of all you guys being able to wear pants and not sweat, you know? I'll tell you where I am right now. I'm in Jersey. I'm coming to you from the dirty Jersey. It was like 73 degrees today. Yeah, I've heard it was unseasonably warm over there. Unseasonably and unfathomably warm here in New yeah. Jersey, but that's okay because you know what? We're about to turn things up just a little more here on this edition of out of bounds again really appreciate you joining me sarah we always have a lot of fun here on this show this show of course you're look at the weird wacky and wild in the sports world exclusively on the know your news network and the beauty of know your news is that you have a chance to get involved in the show all you gotta do is send us a super chat whether you're on youtube you can just type it in we appreciate any donations from you we will read your comments on air or you can go exclusively to kynchat.com and we will pull up your super chat as well there but if you want to just for convenience sake leave it right there on youtube that's totally fine with us because we're gonna have a lot of fun here today now sarah normally we do a little opening toast uh, i got some water here and i've told i've been told that you have a fun cup that you'd like to a little toast with there. well and it's fun depending on who you ask but if you ask me it is like you know a prized possession um it's my john cena SummerSlam cup from like I don't know, 2010. I don't, I don't, I don't see anything there. 2000, <laughs> well, it's there. Um, oh. But yeah, 2010 or 2011? I don't know. The ones that you got at 7-Eleven? I see. All right. Well, so gotta... I, here's a toast to you. Thank you for hopping on with me this week, filling in for me. <laughs> it's greatly appreciated. Cheers to you. A little water mm -hmm. down the gullet. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun here on this week's edition of Out of Bounds because we start with the NFL and the coaching carousel. Well, it continues to turn. The Colts today firing Frank Reich. And not only did they fire Frank after a dismal start to the season, Sam Ellinger, their quarterback now after they acquired Matt Ryan, but they also, Sarah, promoted a new interim head coach, and that is former center Jeff Saturday, who you might have found on ESPN in the past week and not on the sidelines of an NFL game. First off, I think, and I'm curious your opinions on this, this underscores two major problems in the NFL. In my opinion, one, uh, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, had said just a few weeks ago that Frank was totally fine. He had nothing to worry about. And, well, now he's fired and the tank is on. <laughs> mm -hmm. But on top of the tank being on, there is a serious, serious issue with who gets opportunities in the NFL and who doesn't. What say you? No, I agree completely. And the I think the most ironic 
part of this whole thing is, of course, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, so they just lost to the Patriots yesterday. And it's just another example of how the Colts blow things up after they lose to the Patriots. So, you know, they they lose pretty badly and then they fire their coach, which I believe is the first time that they fired their coach in midseason. And last was it last week that they fired their offensive coordinator or who they were using as like a scapegoat? Yeah. Lots of changes going on in Indy. Yeah. And then the Jeff Saturday stuff came out, I think, about an hour after they announced that they had fired Frank Reich. So, I mean, that is just a hot mess of an organization. Jim Ursay has been known to be kind of a a weirdish owner, (laughs) if we're being honest. Weird is the word. yeah. Um, yeah, it seems they've, they just continuously make bad decisions, you know, from quarterbacking to um, coaching decisions. It's like, yeah, full tank mode now. I mean, I don't know how you kind of recover from this. Well, again, you put on the facade that yeah. we're bringing in a very popular guy. Everyone loves mm-hmm. Jeff Saturday. He's a great guy. He's a great football mind. No, no taking that away. Right. Uh, I, I feel that I, I, I intimately understand that. Mm-hmm. But what kind of statement does it say about NFL ownership when you have Gus Bradley and John Fox both on your staff? John Fox, this is a guy that brought the Denver Broncos to the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's a guy that brought the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing. And you don't promote any of them with previous head coaching experience. And you throw a guy that has zero coaching experience, period, on your sideline to call plays and to lead your team. What kind of statement does that make to your fan base? Well, and then there was someone, I I don't know, I saw it on Twitter that he's been somewhat involved with the Colts in some way. Yeah, and. And he was part of the decision making and naming himself as the interim coach. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know why he would have been involved in that decision making. But clearly there's some sort of problem with the hierarchy because obviously someone who wants an opportunity is going to say, hey, I'll do it. So, I mean, aren't you setting yourself up for failure, though, here? Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to take over in the mid in the middle of the season with a quarterback that's only getting starts because you benched the quarterback that you paid millions of dollars to acquire and he's not working out for you. So, I mean, like he's taking on a lot, I mean, and risking, I mean, his, his reputation, if he really wants to be a coach at some point, I mean, this isn't the best way to get that going. No. And look, Frank Reich is someone who may have been on the short end of the stick here. Again, a revolving door at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, has been banged up this year. There's not a lot of opportunities in Indianapolis, but it. I want to go to the second point that I was saying, and this is where this just grinds my gears about the NFL. Who gets opportunities and who doesn't get opportunities? There are so many coaches out there who have been working their way up through the system for years who are deserving of that first look. And I think you have to have the conversation about African-American representation as well, mm-hmm. where there are so many black head coaches who or black coaches, rather, who have not had this opportunity. Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many guys who would never even be considered for a look like this. Yeah. And, and that was a point that was brought up from what I've seen a lot today. And people were bringing up the Rooney rule. And apparently that doesn't apply to the interim. I don't think that applies in season for an interim. Yeah. And, and I mean, 
the whole thing is just so ridiculous how behind on the times that the NFL is in that in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, this is just another, you know, a cherry on top of the cake, I would say, or the ice cream for the Colts and their bad decision making. This isn't a good look. There's not a whole lot that they can say that is defensive of this. Like, I mean, I think they're even their own fan base is not thrilled with Jeff Saturday coming in. And this is going to be a topic, I think, for a while. And I don't know that they necessarily want more negativity coming their way. And isn't this what Brian Flores was alleging in this lawsuit that he put up this past offseason in the first Mm -hmm. place? That it's almost predetermined in a way. And that's what bothers me, Sarah, is that the NFL can pretend that it doesn't have this problem, but it very much does. Well, I mean, look at how they treated Brian Flores. I mean, I understand he made a lot of big allegations against some prominent people in the NFL, but they made him out to be the bad guy without just admitting that, yeah, we are kind of behind and we need to get better. It's one of those things, too, that they will uh, pretend like they care about something and it's about a week and then they just move on and you kind of forget about it. So. I mean, it, it's just, yeah, it's a dumpster fire, if we're being honest. It is a dumpster fire. The Colts have been somewhat of a dumpster fire of an organization. Every time it looks like they're on the verge of competing, too, they take five steps back. And me and I have talked about on this podcast, ever since Andrew Luck retired unexpectedly, this is a team that just has had no direction on where yeah. it was going under center. So now you throw in a rotating cast of characters at head coach maybe it's a blessing in disguise someone doesn't get the opportunity to be a head coach midseason here for the Indianapolis Colts at the end of the day well and look what happened with Josh McDaniels he was set and ready to go and take over being head coach and he backed out at the last second ruining his reputation at least for one season because apparently he then they thought it was the end of him and he had plenty of interviews the following season but I mean I would assume that a person who hadn't been a head coach for nearly 10 years at that point deciding to walk away there has to be something there to make him ownership yeah yeah and and that's what has been said for a long time that Ursay is a problem but he's a billionaire owner so like he listens to himself and whoever's around him. That's a yes, man. So there it is. The billionaires, the billionaires, they're, <laughs> they're just running the world. We got a billionaire destroying Twitter in real time. It's wild oh my gosh. What's going on <laughs> in, in that regard. But uh, the billionaires in Atlanta and Arthur Blank were actually relatively understanding of what happened over in Atlanta this past weekend. Now, Sarah, last week, me and I talked about, the NFC South being a dumpster fire in its own right. Yes. And that was further exemplified in the Chargers and Falcons game. It was a disaster, (sighs) my friend. Already in position for a game-winning field goal with less than a minute to play. Austin Eckler, running back for the Chargers. Well, he fumbled at the Falcons' 20-yard line. And Falcons defensive lineman Taquan Graham scooped up the ball before he had an open lane, unobstructed, down the L.A. sideline. He was at the 25, the 30, the 35, and then inexplicably without being touched, maybe a fly guy in his eye. I don't know. (laughs) But he lost the football, and the Chargers recovered it at the Atlanta 43. And after moving down the field 22 yards, Cameron Dicker walked it off with a 37-yard field goal to win 20-17. to Boy, howdy. What was your reaction to this and – There's going to be a lot of finger pointing at who deserves blame for this. What do you make of it? Um, I'm going to mention it as long as we talk about football, but uh, Patriots 28 to three curse. 
the Falcons, it oh, happens again. Come on. You know, it just oh, happens again. Um, but I mean, yeah, what it, it just seems like such bad luck. Like, what are the chances of something like that happening? But it feels like, of course, it's going to happen to the Falcons. Like, why wouldn't it happen to the Falcons? I mean, I good thing for Dicker the kicker. He came in clutch, did good. what he got to do, got that win. I mean, especially given how the Falcons have been playing, it seems like the Chargers shouldn't have even needed that to happen. But I mean, I if I were Graham who dropped that football, I I I don't like. How do you defend that? Like, what do, do you, you even take, say? Do you take and and you can reveal yourself as a bad person here, and I won't judge you in the slightest, okay? Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us feel this way. Do you take solace in seeing something like that and laughing at it, or do you feel bad? I, I, think, I'm seven, I think I'm 70-30 as like leaning more towards thinking it's funny. Okay. Only because of who it is and you know the history that my team has with them. But like otherwise, you know, I feel I feel bad. Like I still I still try to be nice in that regard, you know. Sure. Um, they're not like a true rival. If it was like the Bills, I'd be laughing and tweeting about it as if it, you know, was the greatest thing I've ever seen. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's just that sucks. And it, for it to come down to like one person basically being responsible, responsible for it just like sucks even more. So that's what I was going to ask you, because I look at something like this and I don't say one person's responsible. Did he make a, an inexcusable error? Absolutely. But this is a mm -hmm. football game. Where you're playing 15 minute quarters here, and there are so many little things that happen a game dropped passes, penalties that draw things back. I think it's really hard to blame one player unless they are consistently, consistently making mistakes and unforced errors throughout the course of a game. And sure, yeah. he had this moment where they could have turned the game around, but guess what? The Chargers then still had to have a 22-yard completion to get themselves back in field goal range, mm -hmm. and, and the Falcons weren't able to stop the field goal. So there are other elements that go into this. Yeah, and, and I've said that so much, you know, especially what was it? Was it just last season where it was the Bills, Chiefs, and – the Chiefs ended up winning in like 12 seconds and people were like, oh, well, this is it's because of this. It's like, no, there's two sides of the football, though. Like there's defense and there's offense. You both need to do what you need to do to make sure that your team wins. We don't rely on one side. So, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that he's going to get a lot of the blame. And then, of course, you have like the image that you posted or the video. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It's just I feel like that just kind of encompasses the Falcons at this point because they're just another team that just can't figure it out. I, I mean, and, and the division. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, and this is the thing that's weird, right? Because I had to look at it because the, there's a lot of chaos. I feel like in the NFL, there's like not a real front runner. Like when it comes to MVP, the Jets. Yeah, and I loved every second of it. Um, but yeah, like the NFC South, the Bucks are in first place with a record of four and five. Oh, the yeah. Falcons are four and five. Yeah. The only difference is their divisional record. So it's like, although that was a horrible way to end the game, like it didn't impact them as much as it potentially could have. 
because then the rest of the division is horrible too. Booty, the- no doubt about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we saw PJ Walker get pulled after oh. we spent 10 minutes talking about PJ Walker last week on this program. And now all of a sudden he gets pulled. This is a division. There is parody. And then there is whatever the hell the NFC South is. And I'm not yeah. entirely sure what that is, but bring your puke buckets when you're going to one of these games. Yeah. Bad football. It's not good. It's not what you want. And the Chargers, yeah. it's somewhat of an indictment on them that they struggled in this game, too, quite frankly. Yeah. And for a team that has such high-powered talent on both sides of the ball, I mean, they spent quite a bit in the offseason packing up their defense yeah. especially. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be. But like you said, the Bills are ridiculous, and they were clear front runners to go to the Super Bowl, and they just lost to the Jets. So – it's like it's a free for all at this point. Year. It is. It, it really wild. is. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Even if we're, you know, the AFC East, it's like there. There is a difference of one game between first and last. It's like it's it's insane. I don't understand it. We're living in 2022, and this is what's happening. We don't. I, I don't know. It's it's very very odd. And if you want to leave us your thoughts on the parody in the NFL, we'd love to hear them. <laughs> KYNchat.com or just right there on YouTube, leave us one of those super chats and you'll get it read right here on air. Uh, let's transition into the world of college football for what was, quite frankly, the game of the weekend between Alabama and LSU. Oh, these poor, poor Bama fans. They've just dealt with so much heartbreak and setback in the Nick Saban era and this is an image that they'll be showing for years to come as motivation because right there right there is Mason Taylor son of NFL great Jason Taylor by the way Uh, this goes back to overtime between LSU and Alabama Brian Kelly versus Nick Saban Alabama scored in overtime and then LSU followed it up with a touchdown by Jaden Daniels And he eventually is like, bro, I got this. Brian Kelly's like, let's do it. Let's go for two. (laughs) And the score was 31-30 Bama. He hits Taylor for two. He just gets over the goal line. And all of a sudden, it's a 32-31 win for Alabama. And not only is it a 32-31 win, but it effectively eliminates Alabama from the college football playoff and all of a sudden out of nowhere, the college football playoff has been expanded to 24 teams. Who's to say, but uh, I would love to know, Sarah, the cojones that Brian Kelly had going for it, going for two. This is, this is a season altering decision that you have. You are the, the timelines that exist in the college football world are altered by this one decision, just one overtime. We can sit here and say in hindsight, Oh yeah, it was a good decision, but I mean, what does it say to make that call there? I feel the biggest thing that you can take away from it is how much confidence he must have had in his team, because that's not an easy decision, no matter what the circumstances are. If you're if it's college, if it's, you know, in in the NFL, I mean, that is always a risky, a risky play. And people are going to throw the analytics because, you know, it's whatever the chances were. But, I mean, you have to feel confident that you're going to actually do it because, like you kind of already alluded to, it's either going to be the greatest moment and the best play call of your life or it's going to be the absolute worst decision you've ever made and you'll be roasted until the end of your day. It is a little different in the sense that college football, the overtime system, if LSU ties the game, 
Now you're in a back and forth, back and forth where you're trading possessions and LSU was going to have to go for two to match Alabama at -hmm. some point. So if you find yourself in the opportunity, I I think, again, if if the SEC, people always say this, right? The SEC is professional football. Mm -hmm. So if you are proving that you are an elite team, you're trying to make the college football playoff case for yourself. We know how selective the committee is. Clemson just lost. You have an opportunity to put yourself in that picture I think you have to. And Brian Kelly is a guy that has taken a lot of heat over the years for not being able to get it done in the big moment. Yeah. And especially this season, he started off pretty rough. The season started rough. So he turned things around. And I mean, making this decision, I think is, I think it was, yeah, I like it. I like when there's these risky decisions and when it pays off. Right. Yeah. I think it, it makes it a lot more fun because it's easy to just tie it. You know, and it's like, that's the easy thing. But like, why not go for it and do it in this way, especially against such a big rivalry? And like, you're, you're home. You're in Death yeah. Valley. Because, I mean, it's one of the hardest places to, to play, period. And all of a sudden, you see that your quarterback has caught lightning in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of that. Ride yeah. it. I'm all for taking a risk, making a big play. But the thing about this is we saw the celebration and the fans rushing the field i'm sure it'll be like a hundred thousand dollar fine and way was, more it was just a few weeks ago tennessee the former number one because georgia knocked them off because that's how the sec turns now it's probably gonna be georgia and lsu in that championship game we saw the fans carry off the goalposts. you remember that they dumped it in the river mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not happening here in Ban rouge because <laughs> LSU had I'm I'm guessing this guy's name is like Giovanni Manicotti, something like that. <laughs> I, I yeah, I wish it was that cool. It's great. Look at this guy. I don't care if you're an army of one hundred thousand fans. <laughs> you're not taking that goalpost from this dude. What do you think of LSU putting the meathead in charge of guarding the goalpost here? You know, I think the responses to the photo is the best part. Like, the photo itself is great, but I picked out some of my favorite responses. Is it okay if I share those? Yes, please. I would love to hear some of your favorite responses. And these are just four because I could have scrolled for hours because people on Twitter are so creative and far funnier than I will ever dream to be. But um, the first one was Jay Glazer working his second job. I admire his side hustle. (laughs) So that was something that a lot of people were doing. Yeah, okay. I get that. I see it. If Jay Glazer was a little more swole, maybe maybe had a a little chicken parms uh, back in his day. I see that. (laughs) His evil twin brother, maybe. Um, He has people afraid to even look at the goalposts. And this one I thought was kind of funny. Um, this is the boulder that chases you in the fourth level of Crash Bandicoot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and size means nothing in a fight. So for all the people who think that he couldn't handle it, I think he, I think he's letting you know. I mean, I yeah, wouldn't well, mess with him. The goalpost didn't go anywhere. so No, it didn't. And I saw a response to the girl who took that photo, I think. She said she didn't understand why he was looking at her funny. So now seeing it viral on Twitter, she's like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he didn't even want you taking photos of it. Never mind, oh. like, coming near it. I'm I'm loving this. This is so great. I just, I mean, that is a guy that you see in a Sopranos episode, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and imagine this being, like, your, your 
rise to infamy. Like this is this is your 15 minutes of fame. Oh, this dude's going to leverage if he's smart, he's going to leverage this into a great job offer where yeah. he's going to be doing commercials in the Baton Rouge <laughs> area for local security or maybe even an Italian restaurant. Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of opportunities there, that's for sure. I am all about that. I think that's great. I'm glad <laughs> that they didn't steal the goalposts here. Uh, what what do you guys think of our boy Giovanni Manicotti here again, just assuming <laughs> that's his name. Leave us a super chat. Let us know what you're thinking. I would love to hear your thoughts again. You can put them down there over on YouTube uh, or as well, if you would like to contribute, you can also go to kynchat.com and we will get those read on air as well. So, Sarah, we transition away from football now to my territory, and that mm-hmm. would be Major League Baseball. We saw the conclusion of the World Series. We have our weekly wager here on mm-hmm. Out of Bounds that Mia and I have been making. I'd like to point out, Mia is 0-3 now because oh, she, picked, she picked the Phillies to win this World Series. I said, no, I got the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros taking down Philadelphia. In six games here, they got it done at Minute Maid Park. And this was my favorite part of the celebration because the Houston Astros, as we know, a controversial franchise in their own right. Right. Yes. Yes. If you were rooting, did you, did you, were you pulling for anyone in particular in this World Series? Not your Yankees, but um, I was definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not like super invested in baseball, but because of the Astros controversy, I was like, go Phillies. Cause you know, and then Bryce Harper is like a good looking guy. So, I mean, I was rooting for that. I get that. And they were a very fun team to watch and they played the Astros really competitively. And I wanted to see them win, even though I picked the Astros, but the one person I was rooting for, mm-hmm. for the Astros was Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker has taken more teams to a division title than any manager in the history of Major League Baseball. And he finally got the big one. And this is my favorite part of the celebration. So Nick Castellanos hits the ball to right field. It's in foul territory. Take a look where everyone is looking. They're watching the final out. And look where Dusty is. You see number 12 right there in his gloves. He's marking the final out on his scorecard. And as they clinch the final out, They all mobbed him, (laughs) and he had to hold on to the fence just not to fall over. And Dusty Baker, at 73 years old, wins his first ever World Series championship. What a great story this is, isn't it? It is. And, and, you know, for... I'm heavily in the Boston sports sphere and, you know, there's a lot of feelings, I mean, in general regarding the Astros, but that's all I was seeing people celebrate. Like they were just like, I don't care that the Astros won. I'm just, I'm just happy that Dusty won. That was it. So like, I mean, it's a universal thing. I think for people, they were just genuinely happy that he finally got it done. And I, and I love the fact that he wasn't paying attention because I'm like, that is so relatable to me because when there, when it's like a very um, important moment or something, like I, I try to stick to like whatever I'm doing or like distract myself because I think for me, you know, superstitions are so big in sports, especially in baseball. So it's like, you don't want to do anything out of character or like prepare for a win because it's like, Oh, I might jinx it. And I'm like, I would like to believe that's what he was doing. Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I always do. You think that's if I what miss it, it I mean, it's possible. I would like to believe that we could relate in that way. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, I think he might have just been like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. This is what I do. If they win, they win. It's great. But like, if they don't, it's okay. I got to get this done anyway. So I'm like, well, that, let's, that not would forget. let's not forget. This is a man who was the manager of the Chicago Cubs in 2003 when Steve Bartman happens. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Cubs are rolling. They're going to the World Series. And all of a sudden, they're not because yeah. of Moises Alugan fuddled up with a fan in the stands and your world series hopes go away after you drop the next two games of the NLCS. So for me, I'm watching dusty there. I think there's maybe a degree of truth to what you're saying, but I'd like to look at it in this. He's 73 is the oldest manager in the world series. He's been managing. He's been coaching since 1988. He's been managing since 1991. Mm -hmm. All these different franchises. He was in the world series last year. They didn't get it done. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he has waited his entire managerial career for that opportunity to mark the final out in his scorecard. Yeah. And I think he was keeping himself in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've pictured this in my head. He wasn't picturing the celebration. He was picturing, I'm going to seal the letter, lick the envelope, put it down. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Like, that's as monumental of a moment for him as, like, it was for the other guys to be watching it. Yeah. Yeah, old school. It is old school. And in an era of baseball that is super analytical, right? Everything is about analytics. The game has been so dehumanized in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Dusty Baker's kind of one of those last old school managers left. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what makes it kind of cool, too, like even cooler on top of everything else. And he even said I had to look up quotes because I was like, what was his reaction? So he actually said, I'm so happy that it took this long because had this happened years ago, maybe I wouldn't even be here. Maybe it wasn't supposed to happen so that I could hopefully influence a few young men's lives and families awesome. and a number of people in the country showing what per- perseverance and character can do for you. And I was like, you know, <laughs> like, I against you, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I regret my life choices leading up to this because what a sweet, like, just like a humble answer, too. Yeah. Because he could be so angry that, like, he's been in the game for so long and it took until you know, I'm he's 73 years old, and that's all but, he's hearing, right? That's uh, can yeah, Dustin win the big one, can he win the big one? Yeah, and then it finally happens, and he's just like, you know what, maybe it's supposed. I'm like, who thinks like that? Like, you should be just like, yeah, like, I earned this, but no, he's just like. That's the epitome of who he is. He's a better man than I. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I'm 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 very happy for him. I also got to cover Jeremy Pena at the University of Maine when I was up in New England, and now he's the World Series MVP. That is that Astros team. They are the definition of reloading year in and year out, and you lock and load for the type of season that they had. They lost Carlos Correa last year, arguably the biggest free agent on the market. Pena steps in when he's got a real chance of winning Rookie of the Year in the NL, wins World Series MVP. You can say what you want about a franchise that no doubt five years ago they cheated to win that World Series, but this year it's hard to hold that against them. Yeah, I mean, they earned it this year. I mean, you know, depending on who you're a fan of, it's something that you might hold over their heads, but watching it, I mean, they earned it. And how can you be mad with Dusty winning. I mean, come on. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. <laughs> I believe that was said in a movie at some point. Well, <laughs> unfortunately for Philadelphia, it was a rough weekend for them because the Phillies weren't the only ones to lose a championship. The Philadelphia Union did as well as the MLS Cup Final. And it was, frankly, one of the best 
MLS Cup finals ever. LF, LAFC uh, came back in the waning moments to force PKs and ultimately secured their first ever MLS Cup with a backup goalkeeper at that. Uh, it was one of the greatest U.S. championship finals ever, but it waned in comparison to some of the other sporting events of the day, and it flew under the radar for a lot of people. And I, I had a chance to cover MLS when I was in Orlando, and I would just love to know from your perspective as someone uh, you were telling me off air, you know, soccer's not super at your forefront. What is it going to take for MLS to get the respect that it deserves and be in that same conversation as the other big four sports here in North America? Because this was an amazing championship match. And, you know, this is something I've thought about before just because um, it, it's such a big sport, such a heavily followed sport. And the athletes in soccer are so much more Incredible. followed and paid attention Incredible. to like than mm-hmm. American athletes. And so it's kind of something that doesn't really make any sense. Like everything that America is like everything that they have, it doesn't make sense that America isn't invested in it. And and from what I've experienced is a people who don't necessarily pay attention to it actively every single week, they tend to watch the bigger games, whether it's like the world cup or, or if it's some sort of championship game, they tend to pay attention then, but Mm -hmm. nothing leading up to it. So I don't know if that's just like something that's more exciting. I, there's a theory that I've seen that, um, you know, today's people basically because of the rise of your phone and social media and access to things that, um, people don't have the patience to sit there and watch a soccer game because it's not like consistently, you know, I mean, they've Absolutely. had that argument in recent years about baseball, that baseball's dying because it's baseball's so slow. A longer game. Baseball's a much longer yeah. game. Than- and so it's, it's, it's everything just doesn't make sense. I feel like the whole idea of it not catching on after this many years is it's still bizarre to me. And I feel like it's, I don't know what exactly they could even do to make it more enticing for yeah, people to and, and want listen, to watch. I don't want to sit here and say like MLS is struggling. MLS is not struggling. Oh they, yeah. They, yeah. They've, they've increased TV rights, which is the be all end all at the end of the day, yeah. increase the media rights. They have a good product. This was a great MLS cup final, really incredible. And you should go out of your way to watch some of the highlights if you haven't. But I think it comes down to one principle and you kind of started to hit on it a little bit. International players are the big draws of soccer, right? Mm -hmm. What are we seeing right now in the NBA? We are seeing these international prodigies come over and become big-time stars in the NBA. You got Luka. We might see Wembenyama come over. You got Giannis. These big Mm -hmm. international stars coming over and becoming even bigger stars in the United States. That's what MLS needs to happen because that's how you're going to leverage international interest into your product, which then can steamroll into something more substantial for your American audience. I mean, keep in mind here, we're hearing news that Lionel Messi, maybe one of the top five greatest soccer players of all time might be transferring to inner Miami, which has David Beckham ties that's a huge way to get exposure on your league. Mm-hmm. That's what MLS needs more of. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's so many options right now too. Like we were just talking about the world series. It was all happening within the same weekend. Then there's football, there's baseball, there's basketball. It's just, I mean, at that point, there's a lot of people who are like, if they're not familiar with the MLS and they're probably going to choose the thing that they are familiar with, they're going to choose basketball. They're going to choose this and that. So I think, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, they have, 
it's 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 so tricky to me because I feel like they have the excitement there clearly because yeah, we wouldn't good. be talking about it if yeah. it wasn't. But yeah, I, I don't know what exactly the issue is, other than I think what you were talking about bringing in some more like and you have so big- many guys. You have so many guys who transfer out and they'll go play in the Premier League because there's going to be more eyes there. It's going to do more for the yeah. staff. It's going to incru- increase their value. Yeah. If you can get guys to come into MLS with the same ideology, we're going to increase our value by being here in Major League Soccer. That's how you flip the script on the league. And that's yeah. the process. And it and- could be the starting domino that, yeah. you know, if one person comes over and sees the success, then others will yeah. follow. Well, and we have a Winter World Cup this year where mm. we'll see how the presentation ultimately comes out. And that's going to be a controversial World Cup in and of itself due to the logistics around it. But mm-hmm. uh, that's always an opportunity to leverage opportunity for players to be discovered and yeah. to increase their profile. And then when you increase their profile, that increases pay and everything snowballs ultimately at the end of the day. Uh, for that but uh, talking about international stars how's mm-hmm. that for a transition ready <laughs> alexander ovechkin ov one of the greatest of all time a legitimate goat in nhl lore he broke the nhl record for most goals with one team of course uh, he scored his 787th career goal for the washington capitals the team that drafted him brought him up into the nhl in a 3-2 loss to the arizona coyotes on saturday this guy is knocking on the door of Wayne Gretzky, which itself is a major, a major accomplishment. Uh, he passed Gordy Howe, which is, again, a legendary name in the game. 787 goals for one franchise. But I want to pose this to you. Do you see any other great American sports record being broken anytime in the near future? My main one that I thought of, or if you was can tell, LeBron, the next one to fall will be, yeah, LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's yeah. career points scored. Okay, so um, Jabbar is he ended at thirty-eight thousand three hundred and eighty-seven, which is so ridiculous when you think about it. I thought seven hundred and eighty-seven was ridiculous, like you were just saying, and but this this is crazy too. Um, so LeBron right now is at thirty-seven thousand two eighty-one, so he needs eleven hundred and six to tie and he averages over 1800 points per season so that could be easily squashed this season as long as he stays healthy and plays because we know the lakers yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, i mean he's not playing tonight and we know that the last couple seasons of the lakers has been very odd and we know that lebron has said for a couple years now that he wants to play as long as he can because he wants to play with Bronny when he enters the league so I, I feel just like, like this is... assume that Bronny is going to be an NBA caliber player. Well, and I, and that whole thing is so funny to me too, because he's like, who, whoever drafts him, like I'm coming to that team. Cause I want to play with them. I'm like, imagine them all fighting to just draft Bronny because they want LeBron, but it's like going to go to a random team that LeBron's like, I don't want to be here. Like, but that's probably where your son's going to go. Cause if he's going to be a high draft pick, then he's not going to necessarily go to like uh, the most favorable place. Like, hmm. I mean, but I guess that he's willing to risk that. I don't know. When I think about this question, I think about different elements of sport, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
are we going to see any longevity records broken again? And I don't think we will, because I think the way that athletes take care of their bodies has changed the way that we Mm -hmm. look at concussion management, the way that we look at uh, taking care of small little injuries has dramatically changed our approach to Mm -hmm. how consistently people play. So I don't see any, like, I don't think you're seeing Cal Ripken's record broken anytime soon. Anything like that. I could very well see LeBron getting that done. I will make a very bold prediction here. And there's nobody even on that horizon right now. Okay. But I will say within the next 30 years, somebody breaks Barry Bonds home run record in major league baseball and they won't do it by hitting 70 home runs in a year they won't do it by that they will put together a hank aaron style career where as we see athletes understand their bodies more they know how to take care of themselves they will consistently play and they'll consistently put up 35 to 40 home runs every single year and they'll play for 20 plus years and i think that's the only path to breaking a record like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, the longevity thing that that was yeah. something about like LeBron, like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's defeating that, but he's also playing this is his 20th season. Like, that's not common. That that doesn't happen. Literally insane. Yeah, no, it is. I And when I was looking at his stats, I was like, how many seasons is this? Because, you know, like, especially for an NBA player, that's not I mean, it's such no, that doesn't happen. So LeBron, I mean, I don't see anything coming anywhere near breaking that record if he breaks Jabbar's like when are we going to see LeBron's points broken like that's probably never going to happen either I believe that especially as you get more competitive AAU leaks and there's an emphasis put on youth development you will see Mm -hmm. players learn how to increase their longevity and learn how to make their game more finite Mm-hmm. And I believe that's why you might see some of these long-standing records fall, like something like a Barry Bonds. I just I want to give my flowers to Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, yeah. For years, he was overshadowed by Sidney Crosby, understandably, but he truly is a legend of the game. And I always appreciate it. And and I hate when fans do this, Sarah. Fans will take all their time to crap all over guys like LeBron or guys like Sidney Crosby or guys like Aaron Judge, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. or Tom Brady. Appreciate greatness when it's in front of you. Yeah. Because when it's gone, there's no gain it back. Yeah. I know. And that's, you know, like you mentioned, Tom Brady, relevant for me because um, it is something that, I mean, talk to your parents. They never saw that kind of thing in their lifetime. So the fact that you're able to live and and witness this in real time and not learning about it from like your grandparents telling you how, how great this one athlete was. I mean, it's pretty cool to be a part of that and to see it. So even if it's like a team or an athlete that you just can't stand, it, it is really cool. And especially if you're uh, a real fan or like respect the sport, then you have to like give them kudos because it's ridiculous. The things that the, these guys are doing. agreement on that front. We got one more topic here on this edition of Out of Bounds exclusively on Know Your News. And I know I had someone who fancies herself in a little professional wrestling joining me this week in Mm -hmm. Sarah Marshall. And I wanted to hit on this one because this had the entire internet talking this past weekend. And that was Logan Paul. He main evented 
WWE's crown jewel event in Saudi Arabia against Roman Reigns in just his third wrestling match ever. And he went viral because he did a frog splash to the outside while recording himself and posting it online after. We also found out after the match that he had torn his MCL and potentially his ACL as well. While he did this, keep in mind, this was absolutely insane. I want to ask you, is Logan Paul the greatest celebrity professional wrestler of all time? The the most success for a celebrity to ever step in the ring? What say you? A million percent. And I almost hate every second that I have to I acknowledge that. It's like, uh... It, yeah, like, you know, I was... Draws. They're draws. Look what Jake Paul just did business-wise. They're draws. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, obviously, that WWE is really good at, trying to bring that kind of thing in and bringing in a whole different audience. And this couldn't have been better timing for them, especially with Triple H taking over. Like, this is a great start for him. And I was skeptical at first because it's the Pauls. Like, he's one of the Pauls. And obviously, if you've been paying attention to all of the controversies and shenanigans that he's been involved in over the past couple years, I didn't have a lot of faith that this was going to work out. But he's consistently impressed me. I mean, it's only the third match, but this is a, I mean, a main event against... it's, um, It's incredible. And I think one part that I don't know that he's getting enough credit for because the physicality and the athleticism and all of that, like there's plenty of people who are athletic and whatever, but the, the idea that he's taking all the time to do this, which is great. It's the putting on the match, working with your opponent and your, or your partner and able to do it so fluidly that you can't tell that this was only his third match. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that because he this isn't his natural thing he hasn't been doing this for 5 10 20 years no but he is a natural and yeah it completely like i mean if you didn't know if you weren't told that this was only his third match there's no way i i think that anyone would be able to tell logan paul does little things right that it takes some professional wrestlers 10 plus years to get right yeah and i say that having worked matches worked in indie wrestling helping lay out matches there are small little things that you learn over time and i don't know if it's his training he's been working with shane helms i don't know if it's working with a guy like roman reigns which is going to help you obviously he trained with Shawn michaels as well shane with Shawn michaels mm-hmm. whatever it is these little things are clicking and if if you haven't checked this out if you're not a pro wrestling fan i highly encourage you to go out of your way and even just YouTube some highlights from the match or whatever you can find, or even just watch this one frog splash that he did. Uh, It is Mm awe-inspiring. He has found a way to harness the outside energy, and he exudes superstar. I I can't believe I'm saying this stuff. I know. Well, and and the crazy thing, too, is, you know, you see it time and time again where someone will be have all of the athletics – and will perform really well in the ring. Not great when they have to talk or vice versa. He's well-rounded. He knows exactly what to say. He gets the heat. He use and and he's that type that isn't too far off of who he naturally is, but he knows like how much of a reaction he gets just naturally and it just works so well. I mean, and he signed, you know, a 
I don't know, multi-year contract. I don't know if he intends on this being like his next step or his career. Well, but he's yeah. he's someone that can be a legitimate top guy for them. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's I know. totally true. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. I think he's the greatest celebrity professional wrestler of all time. And I can say that definitively after three oh. matches. And there have been some good ones. Floyd Mayweather was great. Uh, Bad Bunny was great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even but that's Marie like it. Munoz wasn't that bad when she stepped in the ring. The, yeah. there, there have been some good ones. Uh, Stephen Amell was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I almost oh, forgot about that. Yeah, Stephen Amell did a few matches. He did with a, Cody, he, right? Cody he with Cody. He worked at All In. He mm-hmm. worked with uh, Pac. He, he worked a lot of good ones. So, yeah, this was this is just so impressive. So I'm I'm with you entirely on this, Sarah. I had a lot of fun with you on this edition of Out of Bounds here on the Know Your News Network. Where can people find you, Sarah? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at smarshxo. I am now. I just I know I told you before we got on here, but I was recently promoted to psycho expert at Musket Fire, which is part of the fan sided network. That's so you can catch right. my patriots articles there i also have my own youtube channel in partnership with e2g sports network where i i am trying to make more some more videos on wrestling on football in general so if you just search sarah marshall you should be able to find me but yeah like i'm just everywhere i didn't i didn't make one forgetting sarah marshall pun i know i was waiting i was waiting it's usually the first thing that people say i didn't do it so I believe it or not, it. every now and then I get asked if I'm related to Jessica Alba, and by every now and then I mean every single day of my life. So uh, oh my I'm gosh, not I... definitively. Just so we I'm know. just glad that the movie wasn't horrible because I would hate to be that's associated with a terrible movie. Oh, so great... I'm thankful for that. <laughs> a great movie. Uh, I really appreciate you filling in for me, O'Brien, who will be back next week here on Out of Bounds, and we'll definitely have to get you on in the future as well. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, Sarah, and we'll definitely do it again sometime soon. Sound good to you? Yes. Thank you so much for having Fantastic. me. Fantastic. And I appreciate all you guys tuning in this week to Out of Bounds here on the Know Your News Network. We'll see you next week right here, Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. She's Sarah. I'm John. We'll see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.